Good morning. So good to be with you this morning. As Vanna said, if you're visiting with us for the first time this morning, my name is Ramon, and it's just so good to have you here with us. Uh, if you, someone hasn't made you feel welcome yet, I trust that they will before this morning is over. And if they haven't, you're welcome to come to me and we can have a chat. That'll be great. Um, for those of you who have been here the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we have, um, we've really just been speaking into some social, how can I say this, some social struggles that we have faced as a nation. And um, we didn't plan to speak on it for a couple of weeks. <laughs> In fact, we didn't plan on speaking about it at all. Um, but then life happened. And we had to attend to life as it happened. Uh, and this morning, I, I, I'm hoping that we just kind of draw this to, to a close this morning as far as church is concerned. I wish we could draw it to a close as far as a nation is concerned. Uh, but as a church this morning, this morning I'd like to just, for one last time, just, just speak into what we've seen and what we've experienced as a, as a nation, as a province. Um, you may be even be sitting there saying as a gender group. But um, week one, Vanna spoke into what was going on and he just said, essentially said, you know, the problem's not out there, the problem's in here. We're not dealing with a, with a, a people group problem, we are dealing with a sin problem. Uh, that ultimately our response to this should be that, that we should live by faith, that we should be known by love, and that we should be a voice of hope for our generation. Week two, we said, that's fantastic. How do we get there? And we really spoke into that ultimately we need to start to change the way that we think. And how we do that is we lay down a challenge, a 21-day challenge to just say, we're going to start to, to, to think the way that, that we were encouraged by the Apostle Paul, according to Philippians 4, verse 8 through 9, where he said, fix your thoughts on what is true hospitable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then last week, we, we just spoke into our need for, for hope, our need for significance and our need for meaning. And that ultimately, our hope is found in Christ that we are significant to God and that God comes and, and gives meaning to our lives. And if we're honest, what we've really been speaking on from week one right through to today is a little four-letter word called fear. Because be honest, when the news happened, <laughs> that's what was evoked. We may have gone from having a peaceful whatever day singing whatever song was playing on our radio or in our own head. And we went from there to, to hearing all sorts of stuff and this fear rose up in our hearts. And while I don't believe that it's possible to be fearless, I do believe that we can fear less. Now you may be saying, well, Ramon, I don't know if that's scriptural because surely we can be fearless. Pause for dramatic effect. 
Well, you see, there are parts of fear that's good. Because fear stops me from doing really stupid things. Maybe not you, but definitely me. Like I know that. Because I was 16 once. And pretty much from about 16 through 22, some would argue the age gap there um, that I'm putting on it. But I, I, I did stupid things and I have the scars to prove them. The fact that I survived my teens, I know God's grace is real. Because the truth be told, if I think back on, for my 16th birthday, we found a waterfall and we went to the farmer who owned the land and we said, has anyone ever jumped off this waterfall? And he said, no, because if you do, you'll die. See, that wasn't a warning, that was a challenge. <laughs> so we found a telephone pole and we dropped it off this waterfall to see how deep it would submerge before it hit anything. And we figured if it submerges all the way and doesn't hit anything, our chances are pretty good. Apparently, the frontal temporal lobe of your brain only fully develops by the age of 30. <laughs> Just, that's my disclaimer. <laughs> so, myself and a couple of friends, we decided, okay, doesn't look too bad. We should be able to do this. Let's just say that when I hit the water, my wind was knocked out through my feet. It was like a four or five second drop. It was ridiculous. I can remember as I jumped off the edge, I'm like, this is a lot longer than I was expecting. <laughs> now, my fears would kick in in other moments where when I think back on it, I thank God that, that fear stepped in. Some would call it common sense, but it really is just fear that there's a healthy part of fear. And fear is a, is a byproduct of the ability to project into the future and to remember the past. Think about Christmas. For, for, for a lot of us, like those family moments, those big gatherings. So your memory of the past and being able to project into the future, your memory of the past is a joyful one. It's jovial, it's fun, it's, it's all those things. So for that reason, you project that into this coming Christmas and you cannot wait for Christmas. Then there's many of you who remember Christmas. And because of what you remember, you're projecting to the future and you're dreading this coming Christmas. We have memories and we are able to project. And this is, and fear is a byproduct of this. As a result, we're also able to plan. We're able to strategize. We're able to hope. We're able to dream. <coughs> but all of this also enables us to fear. Fear is also um, tied to the ability to imagine. I'm a big dreamer. I imagine a lot of stuff. I'm thinking into the future all the time. Sometimes it's good for me to just stop and like live in the present as well. 
But maybe you're like, you're like that, where, where you, you live so much of your life going, man, what if? You know, what if this works? Oh, what if it doesn't? Um, what if I get this job? What if, what if I don't get this job? Well, if I get this job, I really should have been honest on my CV because I can't type 400 words a minute or speak French. Uh, what if? What if? What if she doesn't call back? <laughs> what if she does? You know, what if, what if, what if we can't have children? What if she's pregnant right now? Like, how's our budget? We have all these what, if, what ifs and, and, and it's all linked to our imagination. And your, your ability to imagine is tied to your ability to fear. Now, I want to venture and say that if we came and put a, a big switch up front here, and I said to you that, that if you came and flipped the switch, immediately it would take away all your fear. And it would also take away all your ability to plan and dream and imagine and everything that comes with it. I'd like to venture that very little, I actually believe no one, would come and flip the switch. Because even through the ability to fear, there's so many good things that come along with it. So I wonder, is there a way to fear less? And I believe the answer is yes. Now, if you're a believer or a follower of Jesus and uh, you look to God for, for direction in your life, you, you happen to believe that the New Testament documents that we have today, that, that they are accurate and that they really do um, contain writings that give us an accurate representation of, of the words of Jesus and what he said when he was here on earth, then possibly you've already looked through this New Testament and, and kind of have an idea. But, but you may look then and go, well, Jesus, if you could say anything about fear, what would you say? And as we look at what Jesus says about fear, we may be tempted to believe that he, that he actually didn't say much about fear. Because uh, if we ask him, so Jesus... What would you say about fear? He'd use two words. Fear not. Done. Or he'd get outrageous and use three words and say, do not fear. But the truth is that Jesus actually said a lot about fear. <coughs> he spoke about fear a lot. And as I look at what Jesus said about fear, I believe that he clearly believed that we would face fear in this life. On one of these occasions, he said this. He said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. I want to pause there quickly. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And we stop and we're like, don't be afraid of those who kill. Like, isn't that everything? Like, isn't that all of me right there? He carries on, he says, he says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. 
Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Again, we're like, wait, stop. Just for a minute, stop. Like this isn't helping when it comes to fear. Shouldn't you be saying stuff like, like, like it's going to be okay? Hey, don't worry about it. Uh, don't be afraid. Isn't that what, what we feel like Jesus should be saying in these moments? But now on two occasions, he's pretty much said, hey, things may get bad. Things are probably going to go rough at some point. But don't be afraid. He carries on here. He says, honor two sparrows sold for a penny. Which people of the day would say yes, and we would say, I have no idea. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And what Jesus is saying here is that your heavenly father has the final say. Your heavenly father has the final say. When it comes to, to your job, your heavenly father has the final say. When it comes to your marriage, the heavenly, your heavenly father has the final say. When it comes to, to, to a, a, a relationship that you're struggling with, your heavenly father has the final say. That's what Jesus is communicating to us here. Is that your heavenly father's will holds sway. That your heavenly father is the final decision maker in all of this. He carries on here and he says, and even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. So what Jesus is saying is that things are going to get bad. We know that. I believe it's in the book of Hebrews where, where he says, he says, um, help me out, Jeff. It's slipping. Yeah, Hebrews 11, um, you will face tribulation in this life, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. So he said that to us. He, he made us that problem, promise. He, he's saying, man, the truth be told, we are, we're going to face pain. We're going to face sorrow. We're going we're gonna to face death. We're going to face grief. We're going to face all kinds of bad things. But somehow we can not be afraid. So what Jesus is saying to us is that he's not promising us that things are going to go well and things aren't going to go bad. So if that's, if that's what he's promising, then, then ultimately what's the point? And what I love about Jesus is that he used illustrations. And as I've kind of already said, I work in pictures. Like I'm so glad that my imagination doesn't get played out in front of everyone because it can get quite hairy at times. But it was like in Jesus' life, his imagination was played out in front of people. I absolutely loved it. So he goes on to say this. It's a, it's a, it's a story we know very well. But here Jesus says, uh, the book of Matthew chapter 8 says, uh, Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake. So that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was 
sleeping. Now, as a follower of Jesus, this might be your greatest fear. In fact, some of you sitting here are like, you've just described my life. (laughs) I'm in trouble and Jesus is sleeping. All hell's breaking loose. Jesus is sleeping. I'm in a storm and Jesus is sleeping. And you may be, you may be in a storm. You may be facing a storm in in things that I've already mentioned. You may be facing a financial storm in in your life, a relational storm in your life, a, a vocational storm in your life, whatever the storm looks like, but you may be facing the storm in your life and you just feel like, man, God is distant, God is absent. Like, where's God in all of this? I believe that, that the story is here to, to let us know, hey, you're in good company. Because the people that Jesus loved the most while he was on earth, the, the, the people that he cared for the most, like the people that he did life with, they faced it. Only in our lives, it's often a theory. Think about it. It's often a theory. Like we're facing a storm and, and, and we, we like got this theory that, geez, where's God in all of this? Like, you know... I'm, I'm, I'm all alone here, but we don't know for certain because we can't see it. However, <laughs> the disciples are on the boat and it says here, they feel like they're about to drown and Jesus isn't figuratively, like he's literally, he's right there, he's a meter away and he is sleeping. And I believe that, that, that the story is recorded here that, that, that Jesus left us the story to say, hey, it's okay. You're not alone. It's not as bad as you think. I am here. The story goes on and it says, the disciples went on and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, and most of us would have got angry at this point. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Well, remember when God created us and he gave us that ability to remember the past. And like throughout history, we remembered how, how people have gone into storms on boats and drowned. And then we take that and we project it onto our current situation and into our not too distant future. And for that reason, we're afraid. Because you see, that's what's happening in any moment that you and I are filled with fear. Fortunately, the story carries on. It says, then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Even the wind and the waves obey this man. Like what kind of man is this? And the answer is super. He is a super man. 
That is who he is. He, he, he even has the ability to control nature. And what I believe God is wanting to tell us through the story is this. Is that in the midst of the what, the what that causes us fear, there is a who that says to us, look at me. In the midst of the what that causes us fear, there is a who that says, look at me. Keep your eyes on me. You see, their focus went from the what of the storm to the who of the person that could calm the storm. Talk about a focus shift. Their focus went from the, the what is about to kill our bodies to that someone who could just speak into the situation and calm the storm. Where they looked at him and said, what kind of man is this man? Even the wind and the waves, listen to this guy. Even the wind and the waves obey him. If there is anything worth fearing, then it must be this man who speaks into this and calms it. But unfortunately, as we know, the disciples, they didn't get it in the moment. Isn't that true? The, the, the disciples didn't quite register <clears throat> and we see Jesus get arrested and between his, his being arrested and, and crucifixion, we see the disciples denying him and the disciples running away and, and literally leaving Jesus hanging. And then Jesus is resurrected. And then a little while later, a little while later, we see these same men come back into the picture. And now instead of being these cowards, they're filled with courage. They're filled with courage to the point where they actually stand in front of the people that crucified Jesus. Same, same people group. They go and stand in front of the very people who have the, the ability to destroy their bodies. And they stand in front of them and they say, this Jesus who you crucified, that God raised from the dead and that we are witnesses of exactly what happened. Now come on, say you're sorry. Repent. That's the sort of courage that we're talking about that these men um, came back into the story with. How did they get there? How did they get there? Think for yourself. How did these men get to the point where they went from cowards to courageous. And I believe that if they engaged with us, their response would have been, because we finally got a grip on who this man is. You see, we spent time with him after he was resurrected. And, and, and we've, really, we've really come to understand who this risen Savior really is. And because of that, we now have courage. Because we recognized that he's worth respecting, he's worth honoring, and he's worth following. And as Jesus said, hey, we're going to suffer. We're going to have hardship in this life. But we're not alone. 
So we're not afraid. Because someone has replaced something. You see, if we're honest, we're not fearless. <laughs> we just fear less. You see, folks, when their faith in someone exceeded their fear in something, fear lost its grip on their lives. I want to say this to you. When, when you allow your faith in someone to exceed your fear in something, faith, uh, fear loses its death grip on your life. If we just look at, at, at certain lessons in life that we, that we learn from, from, from fear, it would be this. If you spend time with fearful people, you will adopt their fear. If you spend time with fearful people, you will adopt their fear. If there's something that I know about fear, just stop and pay attention to what are the concerns of the people that I hang around with? Because their concerns will become my concerns. Fear is contagious, whether we like it or not. So, if you spend time with fearful people, you will adopt their fears. Secondly is, stop worrying and live your life. Stop worrying and, and, and live your life. See, somewhere along the line, we have to start putting our trust in God and just live the life that He's given us. And thirdly, we fear the unknown, but truthfully, very little is unknown. We fear the unknown, but very little is unknown. How can I say that? Well, in the end, we all know how it ends. In the end, we all know how it ends. You see, whether we like it or not, Hebrews 9 tells us that we all have a date with death. That's said very poetically, but um, it's the truth. We all have a date with death. And I believe that Jesus was here today as I believe his Holy Spirit is. He would say to us, but fear not. Because this superman is with you. And the worst thing that can happen on this side of eternity is that our bodies are destroyed. And why spend all your time worrying about your body being destroyed when we have the opportunity to engage and, and, and we get to meet with the one who has died for our sins and can save our souls, which are eternal. So, when fear kicks in, let it go. Let the someone overwhelm the something. 
If I can trust the someone, the something stays really, really small. And as Jesus said, that he's not promising that, that things are, are, are going to be seamless all the way through life. That he, he wasn't promising that, that bad things aren't going to happen. He just promised that he will be there every step of the way. He's not promising that things are going to work out the way that people think or say or believe they're going to work out. He just promises that there is a who that will keep your fears in their proper place if we continue to put our trust in him. So, when your faith in someone exceeds your fear in something, then fear loses its grip on your life. The worship team is welcome to come back. The Apostle Paul said it this way. And we read the end part of this a couple weeks back. But here, Paul is, is sitting in a, in, a, in a prison. He's more than likely sitting in a Roman prison. And, and he's writing to the church in Philippi. So he's not sitting on the couch flicking through the channels thinking it'll be a really nice idea to write this to us. No, in, in the moment he was under oppression, he was going through his own affliction. And he said this, Philippians 4, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every something, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present your requests to someone and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And folks, as we come to the, to the end of our 21-day challenge within the next week and a bit, I want to continue with the words of Paul as he continues to us and says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. What's he saying? Fix your thoughts on someone. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And as I stand here, I just think of all the stories that are actually sitting in front of me. Of the past couple of weeks, how you guys have come and just engaged with myself and engaged with Van and engaged with our team and just, and just given us a bit of an insight into, hey, you know, this is where we're at. This is, this is where I've come from. This is, this is what God has brought us through. And where chances are very good that you'd be able to come up and stand here and be able to, to just talk about, about how as you put your trust in that someone, 
how the peace of God just came and put that something into its rightful place. How as you put your trust in God, as you just started to shift your thinking from where it was and just start putting your thinking into, into Christ and, and into the faithfulness of God. And as you've been thinking there, then what's happened is the peace of God has just come and it's taken this fear. It's taken this junk that we so often get so wrapped up in and it's just taken it and it's put it in its rightful place. And when we do this, we move from fearful to fearless. Why? Because we come to the realization that, hey, I am not alone. There is someone. There is a risen Savior who is with me. And ladies and gentlemen, as you start to shift your thinking, I trust that it'll become a reality in your lives. That you start to realize that no matter what I'm going through, there is a risen Savior who is with you. Father God, as we've just spoken through this morning, Lord, as we've just really come and connected with your heart for your people, Lord. Lord, I know that fear is not from you. I know that fear is not from you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you, that you use fear to, 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 to keep us out of trouble, Lord, to, to put our, our egos into check, Lord, to, to come and, and, and ensure that we make it past 16, Lord. But Father God, I thank you that when it comes to the unhealthy side of fear, Lord, Lord, that that's not of you. Lord, and I thank you that as we just come and, and recognize who you are in our lives, Lord. Lord, I thank you that when we come to re realize that you are always with us, Lord. Lord, that we have nothing to fear, Lord. Lord, and I pray for each person here this morning, Lord, that you will take our thinking, Lord, and that you will take our focus, and that as you did with the disciples in that boat, Lord, Lord, that you so you will do it with us, where you shift our focus from the something that seems to want to drown us, Lord, and that you shift our focus to the someone who speaks to the storm and calms and silences the storm in our lives. I thank you that that's who you are, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that the reality of that will come and settle on our lives, Lord. Lord, that your peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord, that peace that we can't explain because we don't actually understand it, we just know it when we experience it, Lord. That Father God, that that peace will come and just rest on us. Lord, that you come and lead us, that you come and guide us through your peace, Lord. And Lord, that we don't just hang on to it for ourselves, but Lord, that as your peace settles on us, that your peace will become contagious. Lord, and that people will desire to spend time with us because they're really just wanting to spend time with the Jesus in us and the peace that you bring. Lord, as we head out of here today, I thank you 
that we don't leave you behind or your Holy Spirit behind. But Lord, I thank you that we are carriers of the Spirit of the living God. Lord, I thank you that as we head out into our daily lives, Lord, that we'll apply what we've heard and what we've learned, Lord. And that as we apply it, that we will be accurate representation of your Son to the world around us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.